Welcome, everyone, to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Witcher, and I'm excited to jump in with you today to help you prep for your next IEP meeting. Whether you're a parent or a teacher, an admin or a therapist, there's a lot of things that got to get done when it comes to your next IEP meeting. And there's a lot of details that you have to remember to talk about, but a lot of times things still fall through the cracks. A lot of times we're still wondering, did we cover everything possible? For those of you that don't know, I have been in the field for over 25 years professionally. I've written a ton of IEPs. I was a special education teacher, but for the last couple of decades, I've been helping parents and teachers write IEPs for the real world. That means getting real serious about what we're talking about, the details inside of the IEP, and what needs to happen next. So I have for you today part one of a list of questions that you need to consider no matter what your role is at the IEP table. You can get the full list at any time at iepchecklist.com. So just hop over to iepchecklist.com. You can download the full list and then you'll find out how we can continue our conversation inside of the special education inner circle. But let's go ahead and get started with our first set of questions. The first one we're gonna talk about is, do you know the full continuum of placements? You may not know this, but on the back of the IEP, when we get to the very end, when it talks about placement and services, there should have been several different considerations when it comes to a child's placement. Now, most of the time, parents are not aware of the full continuum of placements. We assume that teachers are aware of the full continuum of placements. That's not always true. See, being a special education teacher myself, I know what it's like to get hired by a district, get assigned to my classroom, and live in my little special education bubble inside of the district. I don't necessarily know everything that's going on. I don't know the combination of different types of services and placements that other students are getting. I don't even necessarily know about the classrooms that my students are coming from in a detailed type way. I may not even know what classrooms are options going forward out of my classroom when they age out of my classroom. I have to ask as a teacher, and I didn't know that when I was first starting. So if you're a parent listening to this, do not assume that your teachers know the full continuum of placements. If you're a teacher listening to this, you want to make sure that parents understand this full continuum of placements. You know, I say a lot that you don't know what's right if you don't know what's wrong. So if you don't know this full continuum of placements, meaning what does it look like to consider what a program with more supports would look like for a child or less supports or a combination of different environments. So it's not just a straight look at the programs in a box. That's what I call them in the district. It's like programs in a box. You're either in general education, you're in general education with resource um, or support from a para, or you're in a special education room. There's a lot of in-between. Oh, or maybe you're in a therapeutic day school or maybe residential placement's an option. There's a lot of different options in that gray area between the programs that need to be explored. Bottom line is you need to feel confident of what the full continuum of placements, at least 
one that has more supports and one that has less supports. So kind of on each side of where your child or your student is being assigned. So you can feel confident that you're making the best decision possible when it comes to placement, because we all know that if a student is not in the right placement, it makes it extremely difficult to make progress. The second question that I want you to ask is, do you know how current service minutes are being met? Meaning on every IEP, there's a page that says, this is how many speech minutes, this is how many OT, this is how many special education instructional minutes. It's all laid out. But do you actually know how those are being used? Teachers, do you know how the minutes from the OT and the speech are being counted or utilized? Parents, do you know if this is happening in a large group, a small group, one-on-one, -on -one, in the classroom, outside of the classroom? If you're in hybrid learning or virtual learning, which is what our trend is right now, do you know how those minutes are going to be executed in the current learning environment? Have you talked about what data is gonna be collected during that? and how we're gonna decide if those minutes are being serviced as best as possible. It's important to not assume how the minutes are being executed. It's important, parents specifically, do not assume that because your child has 60 minutes of speech therapy a week, that that means the speech therapist is working directly with your child one-on-one -on -one for 60 minutes. That's most likely not happening. You have to get those clearly defined. The third question that I want you to ask, and remember, you can go get this full list over at iepchecklist.com. Do you know what curriculum is being used? A lot of times in special education, it's a very eclectic approach. It's a very um, pull things from all different curriculum and teachers are putting together multiple different levels. And sometimes that works for a student, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we really need to step back and look at where's the structure in the information that is being provided for each lesson. I, mean, I wanna make sure that we're not jumping around and then we get what we call splinter skills, meaning we get a, a, one skill over here and another skill over there, but we have a gap in between. So we're not able to use those as effectively as we want to because we're missing some skills. So parents, I want you to ask what curriculum is being used. Teachers, if you don't have access to a curriculum that you need, now I'm not saying that you can go ask for the best of the best of the newest curriculum that's out there. That's not gonna happen, especially not in special education. However, if you don't have the tools that you need to meet a child's IEP goals, then you need to advocate for yourself and for that child. And parents, you can help be that voice for the teacher to help make that happen. The fourth question is that you need to know how is data being taken for each goal? I actually just had this conversation with a group of master IEP coaches. If you don't know what that is, I'm the founder of Master IEP Coach Mentorship. That's over at masteriepcoach.com. It's where I teach parents, teachers, admins, and therapists how to build IEPs for the real world. And the inside of the Master IEP Coach Mentorship, we're getting real serious about data and what's happening with each and every goal because we know that time is precious between a teacher and a student. We know that we have to get real smart about what we're focused on because if we're trying to focus on everything, we're gonna focus on nothing. So this data for each goal, do you know how it's being taken? If you're a teacher, do you know how the speech therapist is taking data? Because let's just face it, that's gonna fall back on you.
And when it comes to you know what's actually happening in all areas of the child's education, whether you're executing those goals or those minutes, you know as a teacher that that's going to come back on your shoulders. So you want to make sure that you're clear on how the data is being collected for the student throughout their entire school day. Parents, there's a section on each goal that says how the data will be collected. Go open up the IEP, look for that section, and see, does it say log of observations? work portfolio, data charts, how is it going to be collected? And then you can follow up with, how are you gonna share that information? That is really important for you to understand what is being collected because that's how you can track if the school day is being used in the right way. Here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of times that we're focused on the entire education experience and we lose track of working on IEP goals in a significant way. They're kind of slipped into the day. This is happening a lot when it comes to our virtual and hybrid learning plans. It's becoming less of a focus to work on the specific IEP goals and it's become more of a focus to work on other skills and that's okay if it's agreed upon and you know where the shift is happening when it comes to how instructional time is being used. But when we go back to learning in person, you're gonna have to know and be really clear on how this IEP goal, every one of them is being executed and the data is being collected. I absolutely want you to be on top of that during virtual and hybrid learning time also, but there is a bit more flexibility considering we're trying to learn through a screen. We still want to know how the data is being collected. We want to know what's being attempted, but we want to make sure when we get back into the school day that there's not a lot of time, um, I'm just going to say wasted, okay? And I know that no teacher's time is wasted, but a lot of times there's efforts put into other areas of the day or other things in a curriculum that don't coincide with an IEP goal. And the next thing you know, you've spent three weeks working on some type of reading, writing, or math goal that has nothing to do with the agreed upon IEP goals. And then as a teacher, you're at a loss for data. And as a parent, you're not getting the data. And then you feel like nothing's happening during the school day when really things happen, but it wasn't the things that were inside of the IEP. Do you see how this snowballs? So you have to know what data is being collected. How is it being collected? When is it gonna be uh, shared? between all team members, and that helps you keep on track to make sure that the focus is in the right place. The fifth question that I want you to ask is, is there a clear parent input statement in the IEP? I talk about this a lot. It's on several of the episodes here at the Special Education Inner Circle podcast. So the parent input statement should really be the driver of the IEP. It really helps, you know, once we um, get the baseline information for a student, we know where their skill sets are, we know where there's gaps, we know where there's deficits, but there's going to be a lot of choices to make of where do we go next and what do we need to work on next? And that parent input statement can help narrow the focus because what's happening is that some parents are really focused on one path of functional academics, independent living, 
and they have different social expectations of their student because or of their child because of the way that their family goes on vacation or the way that their family has a lot of family parties. So they have different goals and different expectations for their child. Now, you might have another family that they don't go on a whole lot of vacations. They're not a very social family. So that's not going to be high priority in their parent input statement. That's not their family's lifestyle. And so they're going to be focused on different areas of independent living, functional academics, and maybe some different type of curriculum that would be more helpful for this child and the path that they're on. Because let's just face it, you as a teacher are only with a child for a limited amount of time. A parent is with their child forever, whatever that looks like. I mean, I'm a mom of two girls. They're 17 and 18. They're getting ready to launch into the world. It's scary as all get out, but they're going out into this, this real world and I'm still their mom. I'm still, I'm still part of their life. So I have parent input. I don't have parent control <laughs> as they launch in, but I do have parent input. So do you see, it, it's so important that this parent input is clear in the IEP because it helps a teacher and an, a therapist really um, pick a direction when it comes to what needs to happen next. Now, the last question in this episode is our present levels of performance crystal clear meaning do we really know where we're starting at or what's happening or what the baseline information is right now i should be able to pick up an iep that was dropped on the ground and know nothing about the student pick it up look at it and say oh the child can do this in reading the child can do that in math. The child can do this in writing. The child needs this kind of support uh, at recess. It should be that clear, that simple. We don't need to overcomplicate this. We just need to lay out what really needs to happen for a child to be successful in their IEP. And that starting point is our present levels of performance. If you're not confident in present levels of performance right now, like I don't care if you are in-person, virtual, hybrid. If you're not confident in present levels of performance and what a child can and cannot do, how are you gonna move forward? You have to know a starting point. So this is part one of our IEP questions that you must ask. Go hop over again to iepchecklist.com. Download all the questions. I'll be back again with part two. I can't wait to hear from you about when you start digging into these questions, the information that you're going to discover. It really helps simplify this IEP process. I know it sounds like a lot of information, a lot of questions to ask, a lot of conversations to have, but when you eliminate the guesswork and you start to put in strategic questions that get you the information that you need, IEPs become simple, they become streamlined, they become successful. And that's exactly what we need for each and every one of our students. I'd love to have you go grab your checklist over at iepchecklist.com and I'll see you guys next time.